bit. Sorry about those for, for those of you online. You know my story. I've been saved 43 years. 40 of those I spent as a cessationist, right? Not believing in the gifts. And in the last three years, the Lord has been, because I sought him in intimacy, as I sought relationship with him, he said, okay, you want relationship with me, it's interactive. It's not just something you get out of my book, which is important, but there is community between he and I. And as he began to show me that, he began to, to, first of all, I mean, almost right away, he proved in, in the Word of God, and I've shared this with you before, proved in the Word of God how I had thought for 40 years was just way off base. And as he began to teach me this relationship, this one-on-one thing, of course, then he calls and says, hey, you're going to start a church, and you're going to teach others. <laughs> what? Okay. That's the one thing I asked him for is that as he showed me this in his word, he would also show me how to teach others this very thing. And this morning we had an object lesson. Now, I, I hate, I hate to, to like single people out, especially, and I'm just going to apologize ahead of time because you don't know me at all. But I thank God for John this morning. And I'll tell you why. Because he was obedient to the Lord, and I don't know if everybody heard, but as he spoke in tongues at the end of the worship there, he did that out of obedience. He doesn't know us. He may have heard, you know, about our church, but he spoke out of obedience. Now, here's the thing. We need to react out of obedience. Because what the Lord laid on my heart was not the specific interpretation of that. He hasn't given me that gifting, but he, he did tell me what it was about. He told me that the Lord was declaring this space as his. Amen. Against the warfare that is literally trying to penetrate this morning. Now, what else the Lord told me is why I want to bring this up. Because he did give interpretation to somebody. Yes. <laughs> did he? Yes. Well, get up here, my friend. <laughs> I was going to call you out, but I didn't know if it was you. <laughs> I, I would, and here, you could, you could just, just well, it's the time, the time speak into that. So. The time frame is over now, but that's okay. I don't... Uh, it's not on. That's okay. Here, no, go ahead. Okay. Speak into it. Hello. Hi. Come over here Step so right they see here. you. Here, just come around here. Come Thank you for dressing up this morning. You're welcome. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> for now, my children... I am here with you. Continue to worship me in all things. I have not left you. I will never leave you. Continue to lift your praise. That's about it. Amen. And I I want to tell you, thank you very much. I want to tell you why that's important. 
because another thing that he had done this morning is, you know, we're, we're in, this, in this spiritual warfare series. But see, this is not something that, you know, I look at, and I know some pastors can do this, and, and as much as I've tried, the Lord has not allowed it, where you kind of plan a year ahead, and, and this two weeks I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this five-week series here, and this here, and this here. Lord doesn't do that with me. He just tells me when he tells me. And so being in this spiritual warfare series is because it is needed right now. It is needed at this time. And what was being declared there was a warning to the enemy, stay out. See, I had commanded the enemy to stay away this morning, but I know how bad he wants you not to hear this message and not to get it. See, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to get it and to understand. And this is critical to understand because it has everything to do with your intimacy with your Savior. It has everything to do with what he wants to do with this church. I want to share with you a perspective and how there needs to be a perspective change. See, again, I don't know about you, but how, how I spent 40 years of my saved life was knowing that there was an enemy, but as long as I was saved and loved God and, and kind of did the things that I was supposed to do, then he couldn't do anything against me. He'd pretty much leave me alone, and, and I wouldn't have to have that back and forth. See, I think that is literally 99% of the body of Christ, at least in America. It's a little different when you're overseas. You go over to Africa, and you're faced with different things. You go down to Mexico, you're faced with different things than here in America. But in America, we are deceived. Sorry, I heard a ringing there. The... So we're, we're deceived a little bit into thinking that our Christianity is okay because it feels safe. So you have to understand that perspective is a slave perspective. That perspective is one where you feel like, like you do not have the opposition against you except in little things as long as you do what you're supposed to do. And I'm here to tell you that perspective is incorrect. If you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, what the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart and speaking to you about, I promise you, you will be at war. Because He does not like when the name of Jesus Christ is put forth. In fact, He looks at every opportunity in your life to take authority away from your voice. That's why we're doing this series. It's this idea of authority, and we talked the last couple weeks about this. This is, we're still on the history. I really apologize. <laughs> we might be on the history next week. I, I don't know. And, and, and I apologize if we're going slowly, but you have to understand this isn't a, a you know, three-point thing, and I got my life set. It's not what this is. You know, in the military, you, you sign up and you go to boot camp and they teach you the basics of things. But when you're called to be a specialist 
a warrior specialist and you sign up to be a SEAL, wow, you thought you had training already. You have no clue what you're about to go through. Why? Because he's training you to battle at the front and behind the front lines. I apologize if you had a misconception of what this church is. But this is a training ground to battle behind the lines. That's what this is. Because the battle is real. And I talked about this perspective. We have to be careful of sitting in a perspective that we never change. I want to give you an example of the children of Israel. This is what God gave me, this illustration just this morning. I'm sitting on the couch watching a Bible story with Ethan. I'm pretty sure they speak to me as much as they speak to him. We're watching this little cartoon and, and, and how Moses is fighting Pharaoh and Pharaoh's no, no, no and, and, and all the people and they finally leave and then, you know, they get the manna and they get, and then they grumble and all this and I, and he just puts this thought in my mind. See, they could not get beyond their slave mentality. They couldn't do it. They were literally moments away from God's calling, God's provision, God's promise. Not free from warfare. Because we saw when Joshua went in, it was all about warfare. But they were equipped for it. But see, they were moments away from his will for their lives. They were moments away from joy, from peace from all of the fruits of the Spirit that come from being obedient. They were moments from that. But yet they grumbled. And you think, you think, why did they let fear come in after the, after the spies came back and only two said, yes, we could take that? The others said they couldn't, and that's who they believed. Why did they do that when they just saw God provide in the ten plagues? They literally saw the Holy Spirit come down, and He took care of all of Egypt's firstborn. The very thing that caused Pharaoh to say, yes, get out of here. But then Pharaoh's army came after him. See, it's just like Satan. Satan may fall to something that you're doing in warfare. But don't think it's over. Don't think he won't come around the back end and try to come after you in a different way, just like Pharaoh did. Because he will. And he does. Why? Because he hates you. By the way, it doesn't matter if you're saved or not. You are made in the image of God, and he hates God. So he hates you. So why are we surprised when he comes after us? The better thing to focus on is that God is equipping you to deal with it. Not deal with it, just take it. Yeah, Deal with it, I'll put on my armor and just take the hits. That's not what he wants, that's not what he intends. See, God equips us to deal with him offensively, to go after him. That's the process that we want to go through in this spiritual warfare series. I remember I thought, I, I thought it was going to be like three weeks. <laughs> well, oh well. 
Now I'm, we're probably more like seven or eight weeks. Because, see, at some point we get past this transition of defense into offense. Where you become the bride of Christ united together going after the one who hates the groom. It's it's extraordinary to me how we sit in our own perspectives and not realize what God's doing. And that's why what John did this morning was such a great example of what the Lord wants to do. See, we're afraid of something different. But do you know the Holy Spirit working in our lives? If he's not done that before, that's something different. And, and it's okay to embrace that. When you have, have gone through the word of God, like I have about this, it's not an issue of that. It's more of an issue of comfort. Comfort level, right? So what are we afraid of? And, and I'm not using this example again now, like, okay, everybody stand up, speak in tongues. It's not about that. It is about obedience to the word. It's about obedience to the Holy Spirit when he speaks. Because I don't know about you, when he has something for us, I want to pay attention. I want to hear. I want to obey. And I want to react. So this perspective that Israel had, going back to this idea that they could not get their mind wrapped around what God had for them. See, they were slaves. They had been slaves their whole lives. That's all they knew was oppression and slavery. They knew that they had somebody over them telling them what to do, which was the bad part. But to them, the comfort level was that they took care of everything. You know, it may not have been good, but it was something. Isn't that how we get sometimes? In our Christian walk, we accept something that's second best, third, fourth, fifth best, instead of accepting what God wants for us, which is the best. And oftentimes, just like Israel, the reaction is because of fear. Well, that's way out of my comfort zone. Well, I'm afraid of that because I've never done it before. That scares me because I'm going to lose friendships over it. I remember when, when the Lord finally proved to me in his scripture this huge paradigm change in my life. That's when I prayed, Lord, you've got to teach me in a way I can teach others because I'm going to lose my family over this. I'm going to lose my friends over this. I'm going to lose my church over this. I'm going to lose the very world that I know of over this paradigm change. But see, what was more important to me was obedience in that intimacy. See, when it came right down to it, it did not matter to me if I lost everybody else. And realistically, I I knew I wouldn't lose everybody. I just knew it would be a war. But it was more important to me to seek intimacy with Jesus Christ 
and that relationship and that joy and everything that came out of it than what I would have to face opposition-wise. That's a paradigm change. When Israel came out of Egypt, they needed to have a paradigm change that they are no longer slaves, that they are no longer slaves to a way of life that they were just stuck in. See, their way of life didn't change when they left Egypt. They did not want to step into their authority. They wanted to just be taken care of and grumble. Aren't we like that? Have you ever met a person that no matter what happens in their life, they're just not happy enough? That's so common. That might be you. And by the way, I'm, I'm not here to condemn that. Because that's most Americans, honestly. I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. And, and there is a way that you can have joy filled with Jesus Christ. Amen. If you know Him as Savior, you have the opportunity for relationship. We talk about that all the time. But that term relationship is kind of ambiguous. What does that mean? You know, we look at our relationships in life and some are good, some are bad. So if we don't define what relationship means, then that may not mean anything to us personally. What does it mean to you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he your safety net? Is he your gold ticket to heaven? Or is he your best friend? Is he who you talk to first when something comes up in your life? See, that's real relationship. And in a real relationship, he talks back. I don't know of a relationship or on it. I, I don't know what it'd look like if Alex and I didn't really communicate verbally. <laughs> if she just sent me letters so I would know about her. That's kind of silly. Really? Send me a picture now and then, you know. No, that's not relationship. See, relationship is personal. Relationship is taking a blueprint, which is the word of God, which is truth, which is his word, and applying it personally. See, it's not, you know, thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do this. It's, Greg, if you want the best in your life that I have for you, you can't do this. And you've got to do this. See, the Word of God is to be applied to me. Not just as a whole that I will just live my life in this way. And on the outside, I feel like this good Christian. And people know I'm a Christian. And I, ha I even have a testimony. And people know I'm saved. But yet... There's no joy, or there's limited joy. Do you know that, that joy, the fruits of the Spirit, are what tell you the temperature of your relationship? And only you can know that. Only you can say, I have peace that makes no sense. I, I'm embroiled in all this junk, and yet I have peace, and it doesn't make sense. I have joy. 
Where in the world am I getting all this joy? Why do I have this smile on my face when all this stuff just happened? See, that's the temperature of your relationship. Where is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you gone through this paradigm change in your mind yet? See, we're not slaves anymore. When we accepted Jesus Christ, that slavery was broken. And whether you think so or not, you were slaves before that. I was, I was a slave before I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. The Bible says that we were slaves to sin. It didn't mean when I accepted Jesus into my heart that no longer sin prevails over me. It just meant that I am cleansed in His righteousness for heaven. I am justified through Jesus Christ and His blood. But the sanctification is something I have to act in. See, there's a cost in that, right? We've talked about that. There's no cost to His grace. His justification He gave 100%. You don't have to do anything except say yes. And ask him into, into your heart. And you are justified. But see, relationship's a whole different ballgame. He said, draw unto me and I will draw unto you. And, and not that grace isn't present. Thank God his grace is all over the place. But we make the first move. In relationship, we have to understand that our mind has to change. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to what we think the world says we're supposed to do. I got news for you. If you think this church is going to be kind of like the norm, you've come to the wrong place. We're not. (laughs) Just look around. But more than that, it's about, even, even on a Sunday morning, Alexa and I were talking about this this week. You know, I, I was telling her, I want a culture to be developed of just wanting to be with the Lord. See, I grew up in churches where, you know, by 10 o'clock, you know, the music starts by 1020 it's done. 10.21, you better be on to the next thing or something's wrong. And then you got this block of time and this block of time. And even with the preaching, I, I remember when, when, I won't even say the church, but years and years ago, this church that we were at, I remember people would get angry if he wasn't done by 12.20. Because then if they couldn't get to the restaurant before 12.30, they had to wait in line. <laughs> and we laugh about that now, right? But that's the truth. See, that's a slave mentality. That's a mentality that I've got to stay within this box of things that I do and I understand and I feel. I don't want that culture here. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want that culture here. I will promise you one thing. I'll shut up when Jesus stops talking through me. (laughs) Now, usually that's been about an hour, right? Okay, so I'm not saying we're going to stay here till 4 o'clock. But I, I want you to understand the culture of Jesus Christ is intimacy with him. I don't want to just experience that in my private time. 
See, I, I can't even teach that in my private time unless you all want to just come over. But I could teach it on a Sunday morning, and, and I want to experience that together. That's why I don't like these time limits. I don't know, maybe, maybe I should have been born in a different era or something. I, I don't know. And, and I get the time limit. Please, please understand, I'm not saying that we're just going to go for whatever. Because it's not about that. It's not about the time going too short or too long. It is truly about, God, what do you have for us? What do you want from us this morning? And what I know he wants from us this morning is a paradigm change. I haven't even gotten into my outline. And I don't know that I will this morning. I promise you I will not hold on to going through an outline just because I have an outline. See, I I think God wants me to get this too. That we're to be here with him, period. That's it. What would you do if he walked in the room? What would you do if Jesus walked in the room and he just sat down with us? Would you say, ooh, man, it's 12.10, it's lunchtime. Hey, Jesus, you want to get lunch? You know, I don't think so. I think you'd want to absorb everything he had. I know I would. I just want to sit right next to him and, here, Lord, I have some questions. (laughs) Pull out my book. I'd I'd want to absorb from him. I would want to learn from him. and, And more than that, I'd want to laugh with him. I'd want to just be there with him. Do you understand that when we unify as the bride, as this local body, when we have that attitude of just being with Jesus Christ, it's there. He's there just with open arms. He's here right now. His his relationship with you is the only buffer in how powerful you feel that. Because, see, it's not a feeling, it's a reality. But you can feel his presence. You can hear his voice. It's not an overnight thing. But what I found out in my own life, he was talking to me the whole time. I just never understood that that was him. I never knew what his voice sounded like until he began to teach me his voice. And see, that's what he wants for us on a Sunday morning. If you could see what I see and hear what I hear from him of knowing what he has for this group of people, it would blow you away. What he's about to do in the next four, five, six months will blow you away. What he wants to do in your life as you paradigm shift your mind from this place of this is what I'm doing to whatever you want, Lord. It's going to be amazing what he does in your life. But that will not be free of warfare. See, you've got to understand that as he started drawing me into intimately to him, it became about warfare. Why? Because that's the last thing the enemy wanted. 
And I unknowingly gave authority in different ways to the enemy so he could come after me. So for probably the, the greater part of the last year, God has been teaching me how to shift that from just being battle-beaten into being battle-offensive. See, because the bride is coming to a time in history where everything's about to change. And what you're going to see is the church rise up like she has never risen up before. How many can guess what verse I'm about to... Yeah. It's second only to Matthew 6.33, I think. Revelation chapter 3, verse 9. See, the bride will be honored by the world before the bride is ready and taken up. It's never happened, but it's about to. And the only way that happens is if we get a paradigm shift in our mind going from this slavery mentality that I'll just take whatever you got for me and, and, and I'll, just, I'll just take the hits, Lord, because I love you. All the while he's saying, you know what? You've got the weapons right at your feet. Why don't you pick one up? Why don't you pick it up, aim it at the enemy, and fire? See, I, I can't do that for you. Jesus is saying, I, I could teach you how to use it. I can place you in the place of the warfare that you'll be the most effective. But I can't pull the trigger for you. I can't aim it for you. I can teach you how to do that, but you've got to do it. That's the paradigm change. That's the paradigm change that Israel needed when they came out of Egypt. If they would have had that paradigm change, they would have walked into the promised land victorious just like they did 40 years later. That's what the bride of Christ needs to get now. We need to understand that now. And what he wants to do with us, it will produce all of the fruits of the Spirit. So look in your own life. Look and see where you're at. Do you, do you have those fruits present? If you do, keep going that direction. Keep seeking Him. Keep letting Him just become more and more and more in your life. If you don't have them present, seek why. Even in time of warfare. It, it, it doesn't say that, that you'll have the fruits of the Spirit except for when Satan's attacking you. See, if that were the case, Satan would just continually attack. But we are to have the fruits even in the attack. And what I've noticed in my own life is I was not able to shift to offense until I understood that. Until I understood that, that that peace that doesn't make sense, that love that is compassionate love for everybody and everything, right? all of those fruits, they had to be present. And they had to be present through any situation. It was when they became that that I understood my real authority. And we've talked about that before. We're going to certainly talk about that 
as we get further into this series. See, do you, do you know you have authority over Satan himself? And because you have authority, see, Jesus Christ, when he became a man, he, we were created a little lower than the angels, right? Okay? And, and, and we were brought lower because of Adam, because of him giving away the authority to, to Satan over the entire world. But Jesus Christ, when he died a sinless, perfect life, He was the lamb that was slain for us. His blood covered us. He rose from the grave. He sits at the right hand of the Father. But what happened? Two things. One, he stayed a man. There is a man sitting on the throne of God at his right hand. There is a man doing that right now. But second, he was raised above the angels. Do you understand the shift that happened then? See, this didn't happen in the Old Testament. And that's actually the history that we got to finish up, which clearly isn't going to happen today. <laughs> but that, that Old Testament shifting took place when Jesus Christ died and offered his sinless life. He lifted mankind in authority over the angels. So why don't we have authority over them? See, one, you have to understand that the authority as you are given in Christ, when you're in Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are adopted into his family. You are a child of God. You are given the very authority as being a child of God. But it doesn't mean you wield that authority. You have to understand that when I did this, I I was made special. See, Jesus Christ died for me. He wouldn't, he wouldn't die for me if, unless I was worth it. And see, it wasn't just that he died for mankind. He said he would have died for one. So apply that to yourself. He would have died for me, for just me. If y'all were perfect and never sinned, and I sinned, he would die for me. When you personalize it like that, you begin to understand that that as I am adopted into his family, I have also been given the authority to raise above the warfare that's hitting me. Above his created angels that fell. See, that's pretty wild to think about because we separate ourselves from that world. We separate ourselves from... From the spirit worldwide, because we can't see it. And then God gifts certain people in the church to be able to see it. And then you begin to realize through confirmations and different things that, oh wow, okay, that's real. I don't know why I didn't get that, because the Bible says it. But until we apply it in our lives, it's not real in our mind. Until the children of Israel would have applied the promised land in their minds, it didn't become real for them. See, if the promised land were real in all of his promises, they believed with their whole heart, they would not have listened to those spies that said they couldn't do it. They would have just listened to Joshua and Caleb because they gave the good report. If they had known that that's theirs on the other side no matter what, and they had the right to be there, then they would have had that paradigm change. 
Do you see, that's what Jesus wants of us. He wants us to realize who we are in him. Why? Because he died for it. He shed his blood for us to be his brother, his sister. To have the authority over the enemy that we can have. Why? Because that readies the bride. It isn't until the church gets that and goes on the offense toward the enemy that the bride can become ready. Because right now she's just, she's just barraged with warfare. Everywhere I see, I see the, the church in a defensive position. She's not supposed to be that way. See, the church is the bride of the king. And the bride of the king is protected. But the bride of the king is also given authority. If you go to any of those kingdoms of old, right? I mean, for that matter, look at England now. She doesn't even have political power. But, but who's the most talked about? Who's the most influential? It's the queen. Right? The bride is given influence. We have to use it. We have to let him work in our lives to where we don't let the enemy stop us. And, and by the way, he's doing that here. He is doing that in Ignition Church. We are called to be an offensive, not offending, but to be on offense against the enemy. The enemy is all about, and I shared this the first week, he is all about authority. He's the prince and the power of the air. He is the ruler of this world. He was given that by Adam. But do you know it's not supposed to stay that way? In fact, it will not stay that way. I believe two times in future history, we're going to see major shifts. Revelation 3 verse 9 is going to be one of them. That's where the bride finally figures out her authority that is God-given and goes after the enemy and starts taking land, taking land, taking land. That's the first time. And what I believe is when that comes to the point where chapter 3 of Revelation verse 9 happens and the world honors, it, it actually says bow down there, but the word there in the Greek is showing honor to, wanting to be like. Can you imagine if the world wanted to be like the church? Wow, what a paradigm shift that would be. But that's what it says. That's what it says is going to happen. That's the first time. Then he takes his bride home. And the Holy Spirit is taken off the earth. And all of the influence of the Holy Spirit is taken off the earth at that point, except for what he keeps there. At that time, the 144,000, and then those who become saved, of course. But there's a huge change when, when God takes his bride home. And the second time will be when Jesus Christ, as a man who is sitting on his temporary throne at the right hand of his father, that's temporary place. Understand that. He's, he's not there forever. Because when he comes back again, he comes in authority. He comes with the authority of his name, the Messiah. But he also comes with the authority of his bride. He comes with all the saints, it says in the word of God. 
And he takes his throne on earth. Think about that. It it doesn't mean that, that don't don't get confused about future events that, well, you know, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. and, And no, that's all after that. What we have coming up after the church is taken to be with him, then there is a period of time and, and you know, the, the tribulation and all that, and I don't want to get sidetracked. But at the end of that, we come back with Jesus Christ, so he will physically reign on this earth for a thousand years. I don't know about you. That gets me excited. Can you imagine if the world had Jesus Christ here right now to, to rule? To rule in perfect wisdom, in perfect joy, and the enemy was bound and there's no influence from the enemy? See, that is why the bride has to get ready. We have to get ready because we help perpetuate those things. He is going to make the bride ready. We could be a part of that or not. Everybody, every church, every individual will have that choice of being readied by Jesus Christ. But but we are coming into a different time. And that different time is about knowing your authority in Jesus Christ and being able to war with that authority. If you took ten churches, local churches, we're all the bride, but if you took ten churches and only one of them knew how to war and push back the enemy, then that church has a responsibility to fight for those other nine. Now, I I think the percentage is a lot worse than that. I think you could probably say, if you took 100,000 churches, (laughs) and one knew how to war, and one was taught in war, That one would have a responsibility to fight for the others, to show them truth, to teach them how to fight for themselves. With my whole heart, I know that's what this church is. I know that we are being taught how to war with Jesus Christ for the very reason of protecting the bride. Of readying the bride. So there's a responsibility as we do this. It's not just about ourselves. It's about what he wants to do through us for the entire bride. So I want to encourage you. Set aside those things that are uncomfortable And and by the way, I don't mean don't prove them out. Prove them out in the Word of God. But set aside those things that are uncomfortable just because you don't, you've never experienced it before. Or even in your own life, well, you know, I've never actually had God talk to me. Does that mean you shouldn't? I'm going to encourage you, go to the Word of God and prove it out first. And and if you can't see it, come talk to me. Because I'll show you in the Word of God where He speaks to His children. That's the only way we can have relationship. 
And then as you see it in the word, then seek him with your whole heart. See, when, when I went through this process almost three years ago, I proved it in his word pretty quickly. I mean, and, and I, this paradigm shift in my mind of going from not believing that there is an active Holy Spirit that actually wants to engage with me personally to believing now that there is. In the word of God, it didn't take me long to prove that out. A few weeks. But it took a while for him to engage with me in that. I remember from when I started that process, a few weeks later, you know, a few weeks into it, I, I knew this is true. So I began praying, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. He probably got tired. I was like that, that lady in, you know, that, that kept bugging the judge. I'm just going to keep coming back every day until you finally do it. And, and I, I'm sure that's how he felt I was. And the whole time he's thinking, I'm preparing you, just trust me. But it was six months. It was six months before I had the, this, this manifestation of the Holy Spirit begin to actually manifest in my life. So why didn't it happen right away? And some of you may have been looking for this and may, okay, well, yeah, I proved it out in your word and, and Lord speak to me. And you might be in that six month process where he's not doing anything. And I, I want to encourage you. Don't believe if he is not doing anything, don't believe that he's not doing anything. Because see, there's preparation in a, in a mind change, in a paradigm shift. It is not an overnight process. Because it's not just that initial thought that, okay, now God speaks to me. No, what I had to realize is everything else in my life had to change. In that six months time, I had to give up controls that I didn't even realize I had. It was within that six months that, that he said, get rid of your business. Trust me. You know, it was within those six months that Alex and I, you know, had to deal with these changes. And, and showing in the word of God, honey, this is, this is what I found. This, you know, tell me if you see it like I see it. So he needed that six months to begin changing my paradigm. And even then when it happened, it wasn't an overnight like Boom, I just opened up the clouds for you. See, I think if he were to do that, he may as well just take us home. Because we can't handle it. Why? Because it's not just what we see. It's our entire lives have to be prepared for it. If I knew what I was, what I, what the Lord has had me do in the last four months, if I knew at the beginning that that's what he was going to have me do, I'd have been overwhelmed. Lord, I don't know. How in the world am I going to deal with that? How am I going to fight that? How am I going to engage in this war? That's why he says, I'm taking my time. I'm preparing you. Just trust me. So see, if you're waiting for him to manifest something in you, and you've already proved in your heart that this is what God's going to do, and you're just waiting, just know 
that he is doing the preparation that is needed for the paradigm shift. Not that finally when it manifests that he can prove to you that he loves you and that everything written is true. You have to believe that before it ever happens. Otherwise, there won't be a paradigm shift. If what you're looking for as proof of God's you know, mercy on you and God's intimacy with you, if you're looking as that proof being Him speaking or, or His manifestation in your life, then you're in for a long wait. See, because what He needs is He needs to, the foundation to be set first, and that's faith. Do you really believe it? I know you say you do. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe He has called you to be a warrior for his church, for his bride. See, you could say it and you can believe it, but it's a different thing to do it. Because when you do it, you better already have the faith. You better already be equipped. Be equipped. That's why God says you never go after anything in that world unless he's called you to it. Because he'll prepare you. So on the positive flip side of that, you have to be excited. And and this is, (laughs) this is tough. Be excited about the delays. Now, Lord, I know you're hearing me. I I meant them, not me. No, we're to be excited about the delays. Because the delays aren't God just forgetting about us. The delays are God preparing us for that paradigm shift. See, right right now we left Egypt. We're on our way to the promised land. We can miss it just like them. If we're not careful, we can miss it. Any individual person can miss it. When we start looking at the comforts of our own life, and, and even the comfort of knowing what we're supposed to be doing. You know, God never promised that. He never promised, I will lay out your life for you and you know exactly what you need to do. He never promised that. He just promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll guide you, but sometimes I may only tell you the next step. And, and even the next half step. You know, when the Israelites parted, parted, parted the sea there, when Moses was leading them, it didn't happen until the priest took that step. And the second they hit the water, it parted. And they walked on dry land. It didn't part when they were just standing there. Don't, don't believe what Hollywood has in the movie. They had to take that step of faith. So sometimes God just tells you that next step. Sometimes he gives a long-term plan, and thank you, Lord, when you do that. Although sometimes I've realized that's actually harder. Because <laughs> he, he, that's really where I live, and you, you have to understand different giftings and different people, and usually I'm 5, 10, 15 years in the future. So if I start talking about stuff that makes so, no sense, I'm really sorry. You know, whereas Alexis, she, that's why she is perfect for me, because she brings me back to reality. <laughs> no, we are still in a living room. 
Come on back. Okay? But the perspective is that God gives us what we need for that next step. So when you are pursuing him intimately in your life right now, and you've given him your yes, just give him your yes every day. Let him do this inside of you every day. And the delays, don't worry about the delays. Because he's preparing that faith that needs to be strong when he says, take that step. So we didn't get into the outline at all. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, although this was part of it. Thank you, Lord. But next week we will continue with the history because it's, it's important that you understand why Satan does what he does. Because I, I'll, I'll tell you this. He is not an unknown figure. He, he's actually very predictable. And, and think about it, people that are consumed with hate, they're very predictable people. Satan is very predictable. Some of his ways may not be. And, and that's, that's where, that's where you know, we're to have our armor on because he may hit in ways we don't expect or understand. But when you shift to go on offense, you, know, you talk to any general in World War II, and what was their primary concern? It was knowing what was on the thought and minds of the generals on the opposite side. See, the Bible lays that out pretty, pretty clearly. And that's, that's what we're going through, and that's why we're going through some of the history of warfare, which we'll continue next week. But go ahead and bow your heads.